1: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
0: Hello, you're listening to a brand new episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, where this week we bring you our review of the Banshees of Inner Sharon, plus covering off all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff.
2: And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And
0: we love to talk all things movies. We
2: do. And today we're talking about The Banshees of Inner Sharon. It's set on a remote island off the west coast of Ireland where Colm abruptly ends his lifelong friendship with Porrick. A stunned Porrick aided by his sister and a troubled young islander obsessively tries to repair the relationship, but the situation escalates with shocking consequences.
0: Shocking indeed. The Banshees of Inner Sharon is written and directed by Martin McDonagh and stars Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Kerry Condon and Barry Kean.
2: All right, let's launch into this film. I'm quite mm. excited to. It's winning all sorts of awards: Venice Film Festival, Toronto Film Festival, yeah, even more festivals. All the festivals. <laughs> all the festivals. Every
0: festival you've ever known. No. It's winning them all. Yeah,
2: <laughs> as we mentioned, it's set in the fictional island of Sharon mm. in 1923, towards the end of. A civil war.
0: Yes. A real civil war that actually happened in history, Mm -hmm. despite this being a fake place, a fictitious place.
2: And Colm, played by Brendan Gleeson, Mm. has just decided that he doesn't like Porig anymore.
0: It's that simple.
2: It really is that simple.
0: Every day, Porig and Colm go to the pub, the only pub on this remote island off the coast of Ireland, at 2pm every day to have a pint. Several pints come on. They're Irish. There's quite a a few empty pints on the table. Lots of Guinness. But this one day he knocks on his door and he doesn't answer and everyone's speculating as to whether they're having a row. Are they having a row? Yes. Is there a row going on? What happened? No one knows. Everyone's speculating. (laughs) Just like that, it changes. He just doesn't want to be his friend anymore.
2: Yep. And Colm's about 15 years older Mm. than his former bestie and he's realised, I guess, time is running out for some reason. He's suddenly become aware of his mortality. Yes. And he wants to write a song that mm. will be his legacy on his yeah. fiddle because
0: he's a fiddle player. He's having an existential crisis, right? isn't he? He is. He's an older guy and he's looking back and realising, yeah, what is his legacy? Like you said, what is he going to leave for the world? How is he going to be remembered? Yep. He's just fed up with having shit chat with Boris, <laughs> yes. which is basically what he says. Yep,
2: he's got no time for going to the pub <laughs> at 2pm every day. 2pm, mind you.
0: Sounds good to me. At least
2: it's past <laughs> midday. And he doesn't want to talk shite.
0: Talk shite.
2: With the doll pouring anymore.
0: Oh, my God. He breaks says, my
2: heart. It does. Oh, Colin Farrell's face. So sad.
0: So sad. I can't wait to talk about his performance yeah. later.
2: So, Colm says, I don't have a place in my life for mm. doll anymore. Mm. And what's funny is Siobhan, who is Farrell's character's sister, says, you live on an island off the coast of Ireland. What are you hoping for? <laughs> she just tells it like it
0: is. She's a realist. She's yeah. that sort of conscience or like Jiminy Cricket on everyone's shoulder. She seems to have the intelligence that a lot of people on this island don't lack. <laughs> yeah. but, but she is as endearing as everyone else. The naivety is is definitely apparent within this yeah. island. There's some really beautiful tormented characters here that are just Mm. trying to find their place in the world and they're stumbling around doing so. And so when such a simple life and simple routine is disrupted, it throws not just Porig into a, a frenzy, but it has this... This ripple Mm. effect within the small town on this island is very significant.
2: Yeah, being cut off from his best friend Mm. very suddenly, without reason, just sends Porig into this insecure, obsessive
0: spiral. Yeah, stages of grief almost.
2: Well, absolutely. Wondering if he did something, if something is wrong with Colm and he wants to help him. There's loneliness all of a sudden. He's mourning This friendship. Mm. And I mean, I think everyone can probably relate to this from whether you were a child. I mean, this has happened to me as well. You just don't know. And it, it sends you for a spin when you don't know what's happened.
0: There's so much to relate about the universality of this because like you said, there are friendships that naturally run their course in your mm-hmm. life. A friendship hasn't really run its course quite like this one where it's so abrupt. Mm. But sometimes, I'm sure there are people out there that can relate to yes. a, a light switch moment where one day your best is, the next you're not. It's happened to me. It has? It God, has happened so to me. sad. And it hurts. It really yeah. does hurt. Yeah. yeah. I can imagine.
2: Um, but meanwhile, Com's also giving off these mixed messages. Mm. You know, sometimes he sees Porig out and about, and he treats him with such kindness when they cross paths, but still never talking to him. Like the big thing is he doesn't want him to talk.
0: Yes, that is the thing. Not a word. Like, don't talk to me. Yeah, I've got no space or time for you. It's really, really brutal. (laughs) I don't want to hear your voice. I don't want to hear you talk. I don't want to have this chat.
2: Mm. And he has to get quite brutal about it because Porig isn't really taking the hint.
0: It's a beautiful uh, sort of lens into, well, men and their inability to communicate or take directions. (laughs) So true. (laughs) Sometimes. I mean, I can say that (laughs) because I am guilty of that from time to time. And it's the lack of communication, that inability to express yourself. Although I do feel that Colm is actually being very clear, although it's brutal and harsh, it's clear, but poor just. Doesn't, doesn't get it. He
2: doesn't understand the reason. He needs the reason yes. to make sense to him and it doesn't make sense and to him. I can,
0: and that's you, you feel very empathetic towards him and his yeah. plight to understand because it is just so out of left field and heartbreaking. Mm. You both want to cheer him on and pull him back at the same time, yes. don't you?
2: Yeah, just take it, move on. You deserve better. Yes. But also you kind of want to see him get back together <laughs> with his best friend. Because the
0: sad thing is, or maybe not the sad thing, but just the simplicity of this story is that Colm is Porig's best friend and without him, what else does he have? Yeah. There's not much more to his life.
2: No. He's really content Mm. with just living his life on the island, having a pint with his bestie, Mm. looking after his animals, this gorgeous little Miniature donkey that he has. Jenny. Yeah, Jenny. So oh, cute. So heart. adorable. <laughs> but he loves the animals. He's really, like, he lives a simple life and he's happy with it. Mm. So, yeah, when that's taken away, it's like, what does he have? Mm. His sister.
0: <laughs> right. And they've got a really beautiful relationship as well, but she's struggling with her own sort of life yeah. and, and her place in, in the world too.
2: And I guess the other big question going through this film is what is the point of great art and suffering for your art if it Mm. affects the people around you adversely
0: Mm. we've seen this story before it depends how you look at it whether they're being selfish to put their art first to tell their stories Mm. to leave a a legacy behind like you mentioned at the top of the episode but then what are the ramifications what are the consequences Mm. to that and we won't spoil anything here. We're a non-spoiler podcast. But the decisions that Colm makes in order to get the message across <laughs> to Porik are quite... Well, what word would you use? Insane. Insane. That is a perfect word to use it. Drastic. Drastic. Desperate. Yeah. But in turn, it's impacting his ability to leave a lasting legacy <laughs> through his music, right? Right. It doesn't what make sense. what he does, what he does to himself. Goodness gracious. There's
2: also, we mentioned the civil war going on across mm. on the mainland. You hear occasional gunfire going off in the distance. I was wondering why the reference to that, yeah. do you think?
0: Because it's subtle mm. and it only intermittently comes into play, be it a reaction or just a sound or maybe a, a passing comment. But I think it's a nice mirror and parallel to a civil war that's happening and its own sort of microcosm civil war happening on this isolated island. The civil war between a handful of people within the community and how that affects everyone. This, This war... Of words and actions between two characters.
2: Yeah, it never affects the isolated Hamlet directly, mm. but there is a synergy to what's going on.
0: Yeah, and I wondered at the beginning of the movie as well. What, they're kind of just referencing the Civil War, and I'm are they going to go into more detail here? But it wasn't until the film was finished that I thought that's actually a really nice, subtle, beautiful touch here.
2: And that's the beauty of a Martin McDonagh film, isn't it? Just, it makes you think. Yes, it does. The dialogue, can we talk about that for a second? Because it's so simple. Mm -hmm. It's really simple and repetitive sometimes. But that's part of the charm and the humour of this story and the characters. And there's this rhythm to it that pulls you along with the story and suits the Irish lilt so well and mm. the way they speak. It was just written very well for the dialect and the story,
0: I think. I completely agree. You were utterly convinced that it was set in Ireland with Irish actors. Most of the actors were Irish, I yes. believe, so I guess they get it. A stunning script, as always, from the director, writer-director. And also, with actors as celebrated as these ones, especially Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, mm. one to see them paired up again for the first time since two thousand and eight In Bruges, which is one of my... Favourite yeah. films and comedies of all time. It is fucking wild. Have you seen no, it? I haven't actually. Oh my but God. Three Must. Billboards
2: Outside Ebbing, Missouri is one yeah. of my favourites.
0: Yes. Well, I mean, look, his filmography is amazing. And seeing Colin and Brendan, you know, have a two-hander mm. throughout the life of this movie is just so brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant and just works with the script so perfectly. Would
2: well, you know, because of the pandemic, production was actually pushed back on this film mm. and they had an extra year to prepare for it. Wow. And I wonder, maybe there's something to be said for taking more time on films instead of just pumping them out because this is, as we said, has won heaps of awards. It's a mm. really well made film. Mm. You know, take your time.
0: Yeah. I mean, that is really rare, isn't it, to have such a, a long lead pre production mm. period, especially on a low budget movie like this. They kind of churn them out really quickly. Yeah. So I guess it's a nice positive result of the COVID pandemic, which is yeah. a weird sentence to throw out there, but it, it worked here. It benefited the story.
2: Yeah. And I'm sure we'll be seeing it acclaimed at the Oscars once again.
0: No doubt. Yeah. No doubt in my mind.
2: So Martin McDonagh is an award-winning filmmaker, as we mentioned, a, and a playwright. Mm. We mentioned In Bruges, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, which got Frances McDormand her Oscar.
0: Her second Oscar. Second Oscar. Mm. I beg your pardon. Please. Yeah. Watch your matter.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Although this film was really engaging for me, it doesn't surpass his other work – Fair. As I said, Three Billboards is, is one of my favourite of mm, his. Mm. But in all his stories, he addresses humanity in these dark, funny yeah. and quite sad ways. This film is quite sad.
0: Very macabre and melancholy. Yeah.
2: Like I don't want people to think that you're going to sit there and just be sad the whole time. Mm, There's mm. some real humour in it, you know.
0: It's hilarious.
2: Yeah. And the characters are, are pretty empathetic too, even mm. if their actions are deplorable in some ways. And yes. some of them are quite deplorable. Mm. some point along the way, you feel compassion for, well, most of them, Yeah, I would say. And that's a hallmark of all his movies as well.
0: There's probably one character in this film, the police officer, that I I didn't feel any empathy or feelings of. uh, Not at all. Not even at the very end? Oh, I mean, you're going to paint me as a monster now. (laughs) Uh, Maybe, but it was... Something
2: does hit him quite
0: hard at the very end. Obviously, this movie leaves you contemplating... Life and everything in it through these deeply sad and beautiful stories. That is mm. certainly one of them the policeman, his story, mm. but then also everyone else in there. Like you go away thinking about yourself and your place in the world through the lens mm. of watching this really simple, beautiful story play out for you within, uh, you know, context.
2: It's so simple. And that's what's so mm. amazing about it. It's like the yeah. whole premise of this film yeah. is two best friends having a falling out.
0: That's it, a row. That's it. Can I ask you, because the whole plot is literally laid out in front of you within the first five minutes of a movie. Mm. I had every faith that this was going to hold my attention, mm. but there was a seed of doubt going, wow. Okay. So they've literally put all their cards on the table within the first five minutes. Is this story going to sustain itself for two hours? It For me, it did. Absolutely. But I was worried.
2: Yeah. I get what you're saying, but it does sustain itself. And I think, It comes down to largely the script. As I said, that rhythm Mm -hmm. that pulls you along, that humour. And then those moments that just all of a sudden sort of slap you in the face and you go, you're laughing and then the laughter is like sucked out of you. Yeah. And you're like, oh.
0: It's almost cruel, isn't it? It's (laughs) so cruel because you're laughing and then you have to very quickly retract that giggle because you go Oh. To a place that is deeply disturbing and sad. It's really, <laughs> it's sad. really sad. I feel like
2: we're like, people are going to be like, I don't want to see this film. It's too depressing. But it's oh, not. It's, it's not depressing. Not.
0: No, it's. Depressing, depending on how you look at it, right? <laughs> but it is uplifting and oh, maybe inspiring is the wrong word. It's it's a really endearing story. Yeah, I guess it's a say.
2: snapshot of humanity. Yeah, and that's life it. perfect with some extreme circumstances uh, thrown in. Yes, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> and as usual, he's assembled this quirky cast of characters. That all have their own foibles. You know, they're resentful. They're mm. nosy. The nosy shopkeeper. Oh my god. They're oblivious. They're <laughs> <She's> so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> she was so annoying. They're insular. Like they really have no idea. Mm. But they're all woven into the tapestry of this world seamlessly.
0: You know what I found so interesting about the way that this story was written from a character perspective amazing performances my goodness it is a it is a character piece it doesn't matter but you don't actually know what these characters do with their life or have done it's it's not discussed it's not really clear no literally just living the simple life doing this and that the other and that's it
2: but you know exactly who they are
0: yes that is so true You feel deeply connected with them, despite not really knowing all that much about it. And that is just stunning writing. Let's
2: talk about the performances. Mm. We have to talk about the performances. So Colin Farrell, as we said, he turns in a fantastic performance. Mm. He always looks so sad and despondent, but he's also just (laughs) a really happy-go-lucky character. You know, He's not thick. I wouldn't say thick, but he sees the world in a simple, content way. Mm. Just a really happy-go-lucky guy, content with his lot, in life
0: on the island. Perfectly wrapped up. He is daft and dumb, but he's <laughs> oh so lovely.
2: He's not dumb. I don't think he's dumb. Maybe street smart. He's right. not he's, he's not well read.
0: Right. He's a bit naive. Yes. Oh, he's very naive. Naive is probably the word. R- rather than dumb. Yeah. Okay. I agree.
2: Yeah. Uh, he does have one line that really sort of stayed with me mm. where he says some things there's no moving on from. Oh. It's very insightful of his yeah. character.
0: Yeah. He's also wrestling with the fact that is it enough to just be a nice guy as well? Mm. Because everyone around him just, you know, on the side saying that he's dull, but they are saying that he is nice Mm. and he thinks he is nice and he's really proud of that and owns it. But he is also questioning it as well because he's, is it enough? Is it enough to just be the nice guy? Yeah. And that's a pretty dark place to have to go to for yourself because you think you're giving enough but then all the sorts of actions around you is telling you otherwise. And yeah. That's an interesting conundrum.
2: Yeah, it's just so interesting to see in his performance – how he goes from those moments of just simple happiness mm. to such sadness behind the eyes he turns in confusion performance.
0: confusion yes you just want to give him a hug half the time <laughs> yes. and it's the skill of Colin Farrell as an actor mm. he can do comedy and nuance and drama yeah. in the one breath like yeah. many cannot
2: but the performances are not played for comedy no the that's comedy so true. is very natural and yes. I think it comes down to the script as 100%. I said before mm. Brendan Gleason, He's stoic, he's contemplative, he's Brendan Gleeson.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Basically, he's a grumpy bastard.
2: Yeah, but also has this kindness about him. He can play the vulnerability really, really well and comedic Mm. timing as well is fantastic.
0: There's so many layers to his character I found really interesting. Obviously him as a musician, as a violin player, you wouldn't initially pair him with a violin when looking at him. But when you do, it just seems to make sense and at work. And there were just things about his surrounding that I just adored. All those masks hanging up in his house, mm. bizarre. Where have they come from? What's his history in his life? You don't know. It almost no. doesn't matter. But you go off into like sort of tangent in your mind as to who he is. I don't know if you remember me giggling incessantly at one point where he's having a cigarette on the beach.
2: Uh-huh.
0: It was because of that bizarre dog ashtray that he had. <laughs> I just like yes. just these quirks and this character are just they're there, and you either notice them or you don't. Yeah, there's so much joy. I don't know for me to be taken out of those things.
2: I guess that shows that he is quite an artist, and he enjoys beautiful things, That's and he it. has a longing for more than the simple surroundings that he lives in
0: thank you for filling that gap yeah that's so beautiful but
2: also yeah his life is getting to the point where he hasn't done anything about it Mm. or maybe he has and that's where all these trinkets have come from but he wants more again yeah that's it these characters were actually written for farrell and Gleason after their wonderful work in Bruges. And the chemistry is so obvious and mm. natural. and I think you believe that they've been friends for years, even yes. though there's an age gap, because they have been friends for years. Yes.
0: And the first time you meet them together is they're not talking. Yeah. So the way that this story plays out is so perfect yes. the, that you still believe that they were friends for many, many years, mm. despite them being at odds with each yeah. other the entire film.
2: Despite you not having the evidence yes. to show That relationship beforehand. Exactly. It's quite a skill for a filmmaker to do that.
0: And actors, obviously. Absolutely.
2: Let's talk about Kerry Condon for Mm. a second, who played Siobhan, Horig's sister. Yes. She's so kind. She loves her brother. But she longs for life off the island because she can see the reality of it. She's wise. She's intelligent, as we said. She's fiery. Mm. And that makes her a judged outsider slash spinster as the locals call her, because she's never been married. Mm,
0: Exactly. What a wonderful performance here. Mm. One of the many heartbeats to this story and the beautiful relationship she has with Porik plays out, I mean, in the most gorgeous ways. Like they Mm. live together.
2: They sleep in the same room in in, in in little single single beds.
0: (laughs) I mean, at first I was like, oh. Uh, And then I was like... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> soon after. That was really, really nice. Yeah. You know, the banter, the bickering between them is siblings incarnate. Like, it's just, it's so believable that mm. they, they deeply love and adore each other, but they're at each other's necks uh, at any given moment. And she has a decision to make. And depending on how you view it, it's either selfish or you cheer her on. Mm. And it just goes to show that in life, you just have to go. You just have to. Do what's, what's best, best for you, you despite yeah. the chaos going on around you. I mean,
2: I'm not surprised she never got married. Looking at all the people that are around, right?
0: Town. She had no chance, Paul Love.
2: And uh, Barry Keenan's character Dominic has quite the crush on her. This little right. young man uh, mm. who is very much a simpleton. He's not working with a full set of tools, that's for sure. But um, <laughs> whatever non-specific reason, they don't really address that. But maybe there's something.
0: There's something going there's on. There's something there,
2: autistic or it, yeah. yeah.
0: I think I think that comes across in his performance, at least. Yeah, it, it's it's assumed, safely assumed.
2: Yeah, and also he's being abused by his policeman father.
0: Yeah, which is not. Oh god, it's, it's one of those
2: moments where you're like, oh, oh sweet little kid, and then you get like slapped in the face with oh.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it goes to show that even in this small town, there's there's a lot of shit going on behind closed doors, I suppose, and that yeah. every character comes with their baggage and their reason for being and behaving in a certain way. Mm -hmm. I mean, Barry Kean, he is an extraordinary actor. Mm -hmm. Everything that he is in, I am absolutely enthralled by. His physicality as an actor is just, oh my God. I literally cannot wait to see what he does every single role he takes on.
2: Are you hanging for his Joker?
0: Oh, you have no idea. (laughs) You have no idea. I mean, the ticks and the fidgetiness and all the nuances of the performance here mm. are just... They come from a skilled actor. Yeah,
2: and they don't come across as cliched no. either. No,
0: somehow the quirkiness is just gets you every time. Yeah. A brilliant performance.
2: Yeah, so Dominic steps in as a friend to Porig yeah. after Porig loses Colm. Mm. Um, as I said, he has a little crush on his sister, Siobhan, so that's probably why he likes yeah. staying around with him.
0: I mean, no matter how you look at him, he's like the... I don't know, the town clown in mm. some way. He's the butt of jokes and yep. such like. But he has an ability to see things very clearly mm. and support and communicate to his friend, yep. Porig. And you think, oh, wow, what a wise thing for this kid to have said. You, yeah. don't, you don't expect him to have no. that insight, but he does. And But no one really yeah. listens to him or takes him seriously.
2: And I guess there's a bit of mirroring in their relationship too in the sense that Colm's sick of the younger Porig hanging around and having Uh dull conversations with him and Porig starts to become sick of Dominic doing the same thing so those roles are swapped where Porig is in the position of calm that he doesn't want to hang out with Dominic because he's a lot younger Mm. and his conversation is quite dull
0: yeah that's so true I hadn't actually joined those dots together It's it's a nice mirroring there
2: not dull I guess the conversation is meandering
0: Oh, like, does it good. like, like yeah. it's pointless? Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's just pointless chat. There's a lot of
0: pointless shit that goes on <laughs> in this movie, but somehow it's just deeply interesting. <laughs> it is deeply
2: interesting. What's really interesting is the location that they oh, shot this film in. Yeah, so it was, film, yeah, I know, gorgeous, right. right? It was filmed in the Aran Islands, mostly on Inish unspoiled coastlands. Mm. You know what's funny when you watch films like this? Well, for me anyway, I always get sucked into the romanticism of it and I'm like, I would love to live there. And then you right. think, how long would that be amazing for before you start to get bored because it's so isolated? Yeah, you just
0: be at the pub at 2pm every day <laughs> with your mate and then you stop talking the next day. Like, honestly, <laughs> I find myself in that trap or that, that, that sort of lust for that life. Yeah. Uh, but then you realise you're a city slicker and it's like... <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it, it that's where, what holidays are for. Yeah, exactly,
2: exactly. They've built these amazing buildings perched among rock mazes. Like, mm. the, the beauty of Ireland is so gorgeous. These buildings, they've actually purpose-built some of these buildings on these little mm. plots of land overlooking the crashing sea and the wild winds. Mm. Again, you... Probably wouldn't want to live in that. It'd be
0: fucking cold. But it
2: would be nice to holiday in there and be all like snugged up inside with a fire. I want to go. You know (laughs) what?
0: It's so authentic, the aesthetic of this movie. You think that these places, these farmhouses and cottages or whatever have... Been there always and forever. But they weren't. But they weren't. And that's just a testament to the vision and the way that the departments work together to create a very lived-in world for these characters. Yeah. It's utterly convincing. Yep.
2: And it really sets the tone. Yes. The fact that it's been filmed in this location.
0: Yeah. Uh, You mentioned the the rock mazes. Isn't Mm. that just a beautiful way of not only navigating the story but the characters and just how they exist in the space? You don't really get a sense of spatial awareness but everything seems quite spread out and isolated and very far away. Mm. You can't see the pub from people's places but they just, you know, they're just endlessly walking through these paths and it's always a nice Uh, way of moving the story along but also a a breath as well Mm. from everything that's happening.
2: Even though it's beautiful, it's like a harsh landscape and it reflects... The harsh life and community, mm. I think, yeah. very well. Definitely. The pub was actually on a different island, the, a kill island, I want to say, a chill, a kill. I a chill? kill. Just chilling
0: just a kill? Just chilling on a kill. Just <laughs>
2: on a kill. Um, and the lake was there, this beautiful lake with all mm. these mountains and rocky outcrops behind it. So, two very different locations topographically, mm. but it came together cohesively to make you believe it was this
0: one island. Yes. And, and this one big character in this film, mm. the, the locations and the sets. You know, you could have stripped the actors, the the dialogue, everything, and just had the locations and I would have happily watched <laughs> yeah. that for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly.
2: Do you know, because it was so isolated, they had to bring pieces of the houses over. On the ferry, really, to build it up—that's how many tickets. <laughs> that's pretty amazing, but yet yeah, also building it in these locations also allowed Martin McDonough to be able to film through windows and doorways, so mm. that you could see the real landscape crashing in the outside. You could see the waves crashing. You could hear the wind. You could see the clouds rolling in, and it, it added to the
0: atmosphere so well. I couldn't agree more. That is the connection mm. in filmmaking that. Cannot be done on blue screen or yeah. green screen. When you're in the environment, it just makes such a
2: difference. 100%. Shall we wrap up our review of The Banshees of Inner Sharon?
0: Yeah, let's give it a go. So, The Banshees of Inner Sharon is fecking brilliant. But <laughs> oh, We didn't talk about that.
2: <laughs> in this, in that. in this, in that. that.
0: Its dark and twisted story is balanced out with complex and moving characters set against the isolating backdrop of a haunting yet beautiful Irish coastline amongst the bleak darkness is still a compelling story of friendship and that in the pursuit of happiness and purpose what are you willing to sacrifice I highly recommend you check this one out if you're a fan of McDonough or the pairing of Farrell and Gleason alone. I'm going to rate The Banshees of Inner Sharon four and a half popcorn kernels.
2: Well, the joy and success of a Martin McDonagh film is that it can go from comedy to tragedy in a heartbeat. Any good story can mix the two, but McDonagh can change the tone and suck the laughter out of you faster than you can blink. And it leaves you thinking deeper about what you're watching. The Banshees of Inner Sharon, while not one of my favourite of his films, is a triumph In performance, cinematography and writing that will stay with you. I'm giving it four popcorn kernels out of five.
0: How goodly. Well, The Banshees of Inner Sharon is in Australian cinemas from December 26.
2: That's Boxing Day, in case you don't know.
0: (laughs) Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices Let's jump on into our news and trailer section for this week's episode, Lee. Australia's answer to the Oscars, the Actor Awards, happened this week and they were held in Sydney and some truly wonderful Australian and international films took out the top gongs, including Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, which swept the nominations.
2: All the awards to Elvis. All the, help awards. Us. <laughs> the musical biopic of Elvis Presley won Best Film, Best Director for Lerman, Best Actor for Austin Butler's performance as the King, Best Supporting Actress for Olivia de Jong as Priscilla Presley, Best Production Design and Costumes for Catherine Martin's incredible work, not to mention Best Sound, Best Editing, Best Cinematography for Mandy Walker, who... this is amazing. So good. Became the first woman to win the category in any major ceremony, including the Oscars or the BAFTAs. Literally blows my mind. She broke that glass ceiling. Yes, girl. Smashed it to smithereens. Smashed
0: it. So we're also forgetting best visual effects and hair and makeup. Of course. And the fact that Catherine Martin was awarded the Longford Lyle Award for her outstanding creative contributions and service to the Australian industry. ...as a whole. Oh,
2: I love her work so much. It
0: was the Elvis show... It was. At the Actors. <laughs> Honestly, are there any other awards to be won? Yes, there was. <laughs> there was.
2: Meanwhile, Sasha Haddon's A Stitch in Time won Best Indie Film. The Willem Dafoe-Narrated River won Best Documentary. We love that documentary. Yeah. And Original Score... And Leah mm. Purcell won Best Actress for The Drover's Wife, which was also written and directed by the star.
0: How good is it to celebrate Aussie yes. cinema in this way? Very deserved winners across the board. And you can listen to Popcorn Podcast review of these films now on your preferred podcast platform. So don't forget to check out the bite-sized episodes before award season really gets into the swing of things.
2: We were also gifted this week a first look at Bong Joon-ho's upcoming sci-fi film Mickey 17, which stars. Robert Pattinson, Stephen Yoon, Naomi Ackie, Tony Collette, and Mark Ruffalo. The plot is currently under wraps, but it's based on the 2022 novel by Edward Ashton about an expendable employee sent in to colonise an ice world. And when one iteration dies, a new body is regenerated
0: with most of the memories intact. Honestly, what the fuck? (laughs) This sounds so wild. Right. First off. How about that cast? Yeah. I mean, goodness gracious. Oh, seriously. So good. But anything with Tony Collette, Mm. just give it to me now. So the 30-second teaser zooms in on Robert Pattinson's character in some kind of machine possibly being regenerated. We have a while to wait for this one and there's no doubt more to come as Mickey 17 isn't released in cinemas until March... Of 2024. It's
2: so strange that they're giving us a teaser so early for this.
0: The per- perfect definition of teaser, though. Yeah. You know? Yeah more than a year before its release. Yeah, yeah. studios Rude. take
2: take note about, you know, trailer cutting. Right. That's how you do a teaser. That's how you do it. <laughs> uh, there's been quite a bit of buzz stirred up recently about James Gunn and Peter Safran's plans for the DC world. The rumour mill just went into overdrive this week as the pair returned to LA from their big 10-year planning session. Everybody wants to know what's going to happen. right. At first there was talk of Wonder Woman 3, Black Adam 2 and Man of Steel 2 being scrapped, Mm. as well as Jason Momoa farewelling the role of Aquaman after the sequel is released to perhaps take on the role of interstellar mercenary Lobo instead, a part that he has reportedly wanted for a long time.
0: I mean, I do not envy this pair in the job that they have ahead of them.
2: Do you think it's strange if Jason Momoa switches roles within the DC?
0: Yes, Yes.
2: Because he's so well known (laughs) as Aquaman.
0: I know. This is why if that's going to happen, and of course these are all rumour mills, and we've Mm. got a quote from James Gunn, we'll we'll read out in a second. But clearly, in my opinion, Mm. the only way forward is to control, alt, delete, and start again.
2: Which is what they have to do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because you can't, so you can recast and do all that sort of stuff and move on. That's, that's the only way.
2: Yeah, I just think with Marvel and DC films in particular, when actors sign on to a role, like that's your role. Mm. You know, I mean, you become synonymous with those characters. That's right. And it's going to be a bit strange to, I mean, of course he can play different roles. Of course yeah. he can. He's a talented actor. But yeah, seeing him within the DC world might be jarring for people.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. He's got a task on his hand if if it's the truth.
2: So, James Gunn addressed the rumours on social media because he had to because things were just getting out of control. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, He said some of it's true, some of it's half true, some of it is not true, and some of it we haven't decided yet whether it's true or not. Like, give them five seconds to come down from their planning session, guys. You know, although this first month at DC has been fruitful, building the next 10 years of story takes time, and
0: we're still just beginning. He also said... We know we are not going to make every single person happy every step of the way. But we can promise everything we do is done in the service of the story and the service of the DC characters we know you cherish.
2: We trust them, yeah.
0: Yeah, I do. Of course. I, it's such a fractured place that is inherited. So, I mean, yeah, give a chick a chance. <laughs>
2: <laughs> give him a chance, exactly. So, basically, nothing is final yet. That's what that quote That's is That's the takeout. <laughs> yeah. And given that Patty Jenkins has recently submitted a treatment mm-hmm. for Wonder Woman 3 – it doesn't necessarily mean we won't get any Wonder Woman sequel. It's more likely that Jenkins's idea doesn't fit the overall new, more cohesive direction that Gunn and Saffron want to take with the DC universe. And there's reports that Jenkins just has no interest in re- reworking her treatment because she had her plan. Right. And maybe it doesn't fit in with uh, the new DC. Well,
0: I hope that Jenkins fits in. Yeah. Because she's such a great director but
2: maybe she wants to move on and do other things
0: maybe it just like this is the cutthroat world of of movie making right Mm. there's obviously been a lot of work put into a treatment for for the threequel Mm. and for then you having to walk away move away from Mm. that is it sucks
2: i just really hope we keep gal gadot
0: oh surely She is Wonder Woman. She is. Oh, my God. (laughs) Now now I'm nervous. Yeah, (laughs) And
2: considering Henry Cavill announced that he was back as Superman and has filmed a couple of cameos in Black Adam and The Flash and dropped out of The Witcher... Mm. Like he just dropped out of a show that he was contracted to. Yeah,
0: and recast. Speaking of recasting, he was he's just being recast. Yeah,
2: so strange. Mm. It's unlikely they're going to dismiss Cavill completely out of hand because there's no denying how popular he is as Superman.
0: It's what the people want.
2: Give the people what they want. Yeah, that's
0: it. Take that on board. <laughs> So, ever since the retirement of Daniel Craig as James Bond in 2021, there has been constant hype about who will take over the role. Names like Hugh Jackman, Idris Elba, Tom Hiddleston, Henry Cavill, speaking of, mm. and more have been thrown around, debated and celebrated. But alas, no official announcement has been made but has something slipped through the cracks this week, Lee?
2: Well, British actor Aaron Taylor-Johnson is the latest to be rumoured as the next spy with a licence to kill. It's believed that the new Bond is going to be announced in March or April of next year, 2023 that is, by the way, yep. with a trailer of 007 doing that famous Bond shot down the barrel. Iconic. Yeah, and it's been leaked, mm. so they say, yeah. that it's going to be Aaron Taylor-Johnson.
0: So, my question to you. Right. How do we feel about this? Shaken or stirred or <laughs>
2: indifferent? I quite like it. Yeah. I mean, yes. b- boo for diversity, but mm. Mm. I, I quite like it. I mean, everyone wanted Idris Elba, right?
0: He's a bit old.
2: Yes, that's the thing. He's not really interested in it. And Barbara Broccoli, got I love her <laughs> name.
0: <laughs> Best name in the biggest.
2: Properly. The producer of the mm. franchise said that, yeah, they need someone who's going to take the franchise for the next sort of 10 to 12 years. It's quite the commitment. Yeah, it is. So it makes sense that Aaron Taylor Johnson's about the right age to do that.
0: You know how you mentioned Henry Cavill is you know, retired from The Witcher. Yeah. And then James Bond's about to be announced. Oh, do you reckon may-
2: maybe Superman isn't the quinky thing? Dink, quinky dink. Maybe he didn't drop out for Superman. Maybe he dropped out for Bond.
0: And Aaron Taylor Johnson although collateral damage could be uh, diversion, diversion, yeah. distraction, distraction. Red herring. Mm.
2: Time will tell, I guess. Time will We've tell. Only got a few months to wait.
0: Not long.
2: So Jackie Chan revealed that Rush Hour 4 is in the works. Well, it has been rumoured for about mm. a decade with yeah. many false starts in getting it off the ground. But Chan spoke with Screen Daily at the Red Sea International Film Festival this week saying, we're talking about part four right now, but the script isn't right.
0: He hasn't really given much There, But it's it's joined the conversation again. It's been a while. So the first in the franchise, Rush Hour, released in 1998 and starred Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker as two mismatched police partners who team up to rescue a Chinese diplomat's kidnapped daughter. What followed were two sequels, uh, Rush Hour 2, and Rush Hour 3, inspiredly named, um, <laughs> <laughs> in 2001 and 2007, which famously banked Tucker, the the third one, a reported US $30 million to return. Which
2: is insane when you think about how much he actually did in that film.
0: Yeah, and that he wasn't really doing anything else at the time. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you want me for Rush Hour 3? Yeah, let me just... 30 mil. 30 mil. Let me just put that offer in and see what you think. <laughs>
2: Do we need to return to the world of Rush Hour for a fourth time? Look, we say this with every film. Do we need to? Probably not.
0: Probably not. But we'll watch it. We'll watch it. They're jumping on the nostalgia train again. Yeah. It's a very big trend in Hollywood right now. And obviously, it doesn't work without Chan or Tucker, obviously, Mm. goes without saying. So, hopefully, they've got a really exciting story on the cards. Yeah.
2: I love a Jackie Chan film. Me too. Yeah. Well, most of them anyway. Let's not, talk, some let's not talk about <laughs> some certain... Some porkies in yeah. there. <laughs> in some exciting casting news, this made me really excited, yeah. Michelle Yeoh joins the cast of Wicked as headmistress Madame Morrible.
0: So good.
2: John M. Chu's feature adaptation of the incredibly popular stage musical also stars Ariana Grande as Glinda and Cynthia Erivo as Elphaba. And the Broadway smash adaptation will be split into two films, releasing at Christmas in 2024 and 2025, respectively.
0: Have we ever heard her sing before? Wait, does the character sing? I've seen the musical so many times. I think she she does does have one, yes. Okay, all right.
2: You know, the casting of this film, I tell you, Fiero, Mm. Jonathan Bailey as Fiero, I cannot stop thinking about lately. (laughs) Jonathan Bailey and Cynthia Erivo singing As Long As You're Mine. Are they in your dreams? The panty dropper that that song is (laughs) going to (laughs) be. Don't you think? It's one of my favourite songs from the musical.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. There's so much to be excited about this adaptation and Michelle Yeoh being cast is just, oh, my God. We're almost there with all the casting announcements. Does
2: now. she sing about shiz, about the here at shiz?
0: Ah, this is a question for my husband who's wicked <laughs> mad. I don't know it intimately enough.
2: I haven't seen it enough recently. I'm yeah. we'll have mm. to go
0: see another stage production. It's actually coming to... Australia in 2023 again? Yeah, yes. It's been a while, actually. Has it? Yeah, oh. yeah. So let's go together. Yes, please. In 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 anticipation of the film, the following year <laughs> we okay. will making plans for 2023 already.
2: <laughs> Thanks for joining us. You can all come too.
0: You can all come to.
2: Uh, so can I come too? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, Taylor Swift will be making her feature film directorial debut for Searchlight Pictures, it was announced this week. This is pretty big. It's
0: huge, yeah. So, look, there's not much else to go with this piece of news. There's no casting or story details just yet, but Swift has penned an original script for the project, which is exciting. I mean, she's never Mm. written a movie before, but anyway. Taylor has recently sat in the director's chair for several of her music videos, including All Too Well, with most of her midnight's album music videos being directed by the pop star. So there has been a strong appetite from her to explore in this director's space. Yeah, good honor. Mm. Good honor
2: her. expanding her skill set and exploring her dreams. Go for it.
0: Yeah, and the fact that it's an original story by her, what do you what do you think it's about a lover's tiff? I don't know. Or is she just gonna go curveball and you know, write a sci-fi action book
2: or something. <laughs> sci-fi action
0: book. <laughs> not the latter. <laughs> I, I doubt it. I
2: doubt it. Or maybe like a Michael Jackson moonwalker kind of deal. Or it's just like an extended video clip.
0: Interesting. You know, all the Swifties. Are they called Swifties? Yes. Out there will just lap anything up that yeah. she that she puts out there. You're not a Swiftie? Oh, yeah, I, I'm a fan of Taylor Swift. <laughs> God forbid if I call myself a Swiftie. Yeah. I don't know. That doesn't. Anyway, I've got some very good friends that are big Taylor Swift fans, so I've got to be careful.
2: There's probably a specific criteria you need to hit <laughs> to yes, be and a Swift I'm Swifter.
0: sure I do not hit the mark. <laughs>
2: So Searchlight Presidents David Greenbaum and Matthew Greenfield said of Swift that Taylor is a once in a generation artist and storyteller. It's a genuine joy and privilege to collaborate with her as she embarks on this exciting and new creative journey. Well, there's no doubt about it. Her songs tell really beautiful stories.
0: They do. And hopefully that ability to tell those stories translates to the big screen.
2: We shall see. And on that note, That's it for another episode of Popcorn Podcast.
0: Jam-packed indeed. We covered off the Banshees of Inner Sharon, which you can catch in Australian cinemas on Boxing Day.
2: December 26, if you like.
0: And as always, thank you so much, friends, for listening.
2: We'll catch you next time. Come and join in the conversation. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Popcorn Podcast.